0: Good morning. We continue in the book of Hebrews, if you'd like to join me in chapter 3. I would call this morning's study part 2. This chapter 3 is a warning, a warning to God's people. And that's exactly how we stared off this morning in verse 12. Look with me, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. What does our Lord say to you and I? Again, not to the world, to his people. Take heed, brethren. Brethren. Brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are partakers, as we will see in a moment, partakers of the divine revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take heed. What, what do I need to take heed of? Well, I, I'm, I'm saved in Christ. can I just go about and live my life any way I want? No. Take heed, he says. Folks, I'm talking to me. You may not need to hear these words, but I need to hear these words. These are words that John Reeves needs to hear. John, take heed. You do need to be concerned. You are weak in the faith. Take heed, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing and forsaking from the living God. What a warning this writer has given us. And and I I agree with with most. I believe it's Paul that's writing this this, uh, epistle to the Hebrews. What a warning he gives us. This warning is written to you and I. It's founded upon the Old Testament example that we read about last week where the the folks of uh, of Israel who, who perished in the wilderness because of unbelief. It's sent to us as a caution lest that we follow the same path and we miss the rest of Christ, the rest that is given to us in Christ. Now, we're not talking about falling away from Christ, for for Christ will lose none, folks. He's God. He clearly says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and he's speaking to you and I. But oh, how often you and I forget that. There was a brother who came to me quite some time back. He said, John, I know all the truths. I know all the truths. I know that God will always be there and he'll always love his people. But I just don't hear him. I don't hear him in my life right now. I feel like he's far away from me. Have you ever felt that way? I have. Absolutely. There's times I sit over here in this office and go, Lord, where are you? you today. I need you now. I've got to get up in in 30 minutes and stand before your people and speak. Lord, where are you? You know how scary that is? Yes, you do. You do because you know it too. Lord, where are you when I need you the most, when my my heart is angry at something or, or, or when my eyes see something and draws the lust of the flesh to it. Where are you, Lord? Folks, God's people will never fall away. But we can make that road that we're on pretty rough at times. We can make that road pretty rough at times. I I love to use Jonah as our example of that, you know, The Lord is not the author of wickedness. That's in our own hearts. That's something we carry around in this flesh, wickedness. And we're going to fight that battle with that wickedness till the day the Lord takes us out of this world. But Jonah, in his wickedness, ran from the Lord. And the Lord allowed that to happen so that he would learn. But what was the result of that? Was it not the storms of the sea? that came up against the ship, and when everybody said, who has caused this storm? Who has caused this this terror, this evil upon us? Jonas said, it was me. I ran from the Lord. I did it. And they cast him over the edge, and what happened? He was swallowed up by a fish. Can you imagine? And I've shared this with you, and I, 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 I bring you back to this once again. Could you imagine what that must have been like? It says in the scriptures that the seaweed was wrapped about his neck. The waves were splashing over his head, covering him. And this is all inside the fish. What terror. We we talk about, oh, I I just want to leave this world and sleep. I just want to go to sleep someday and wake up in God's hands. Isn't that that a wonderful thought? Isn't that a wonderful thought? (laughs) You know how rare that is for people to do that? <laughs> some it seems like everybody has got to go through something, a pain or whatever, something wrapped around their neck or some kind of loneliness or whatever you can think of. Even my mom had to go through something. She went through something as she as she passed from this world on to the next. Very rarely do we get to go off in peace. We can make this road that we're on very, very rough. unbelief renders the word unprofitable to us. I want you to mark your spot there in Hebrews and turn over to 1 John chapter 5. This is what our Lord is taking you and I to task through the writer. He's taking us through the task of take heed, beware, be cautious. How often we read in Scripture where the Lord tells us to stand fast, he's telling us take heed, brethren, brethren. Take heed that we do not fall. Let me just read it to make sure I'm saying. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief. And unbelief in us makes his word unprofitable. Look at verses 10 through 13 of John chapter 5. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself that he he that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Because he believeth not the record. God gave his son you ever doubted God's word that's what that brother was doing to talk to me he was doubting God's word based on his feelings folks it's easy to do in this flesh it, it is so easy for us to fall into In fact, you could say we can't help it. We can't help it. Our flesh is weak. Our minds are weak. And this is why we lean on the, on the, on the arms of Christ. We lean on the understanding that God has given us of himself. That all things we're going through are for our good including that weakness, including that time of unbelief. verse 11, this and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He that hath not the son hath life, he that hath the son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things were have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God and that ye may know, that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know, I I have to reiterate every time we talk about belief. I have to reiterate. Belief does not save you. The Lord Jesus and his blood is the salvation of his people, but you cannot know God without believing who he is, what he's done, and where he is right now. We are saved by grace. And Jesus Christ and him crucified is that grace. But it is through faith. It is through believing. I can't stress that enough. It is through believing. What would get get us through these times of trouble that we go through in this flesh? If we just believe. If we just believe. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. What a great cry unto God that is for each and every one of us. Unbelief shuts us out from the mercies of Christ back in our text in Hebrews 3. In Mark chapter 16, you don't need to turn there, I'll read it for you. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Unbelief closes the door of prayer as we read in Hebrews 11. Turn over there if you would for just a moment to Hebrews 11 and look at verse 6 with me. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And that's speaking of prayer. Diligently speak him. Those who diligently come before the Lord, whether it be for, I, I, I just, I'm distressed about whatever it is in the world. Or those who come to God, Lord, help me. I believe, but help thou my unbelief. In James, you don't need to turn there, or 1 verse 6, it says, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave with the sea driven in the wind and tossed that's because of unbelief back in our text in Hebrews chapter 3 look at verse 13 with me but exhort one another daily notice what it takes for us to to notice what the Lord gives us here he says in verse 12 take heed brethren and then in verse 3 but exhort one another While it is called today, for lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, encourage one another, exhort each other, instruct and teach one another while the time of life lasts and while the grace of God is available. How can we do this? How can we do this? By worshiping and praying and praising God together. Does not our Lord tell us, do not forsake the assembling of of the saints? Coming together. We can sit over here afterwards. We've got 30 minutes. We can sit together out here on the porch like we do on some Sunday afternoons, on a Sunday afternoon, sitting in the chairs, talking, having a cup of coffee before we say our goodbyes and go our own ways. And we can exhort each other. Man, I don't know. You know, I, I just don't know, Brother Mike. I, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with this. I, I've got this thing I'm struggling with. You know what, John? I've struggled in that, too. You know what, Brother Mike? I've struggled in that, too. There used to be a group of ladies here that would get together and go and do things together on Sunday a Saturday afternoon. And it wasn't... It wasn't some time where you would go and just spend the whole afternoon talking about scripture. But it was time for you to spend together. Just the ladies spending together some time and talking about what's going on in their lives. Oh, You know, I've, I've, I've had those same feelings. I've had those same feelings. Becky, Shirley, Cheryl, I've had those same feelings. This is how I dealt with them. I I looked up this scripture and it helped me a lot. Or or I I know I just I put that aside because those thoughts are, are 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 disturbing to me and I put those aside and I just I just turn to the Lord because or or like my mom would say to me. You got a problem? You put it in your hands like this and you put it at the feet of Jesus. You just you take it to the feet of Jesus. You see what I'm talking about? Exhorting one another. Are you with me in Hebrews 10? I almost forgot to go there, didn't I? (laughs) In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, we read these words. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Good works. Some people want to take that and say, let me provoke you to go down and work at the kitchen and serve the poor. That's not what it's talking about. I'm not saying that's not good works. I'm saying that's not what the scripture is talking about. Good works are the works that Christ does in us. What does Christ do in us? And the spirit of God comes and he turns us to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no better work than that, folks. There's no better work than that. To encourage each other to look to Christ. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching how can we how can we encourage one another and exhort one another by teaching and preaching and studying the scriptures look over at 1 Peter chapter 2 1 Peter chapter 2 we read Verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. That's the good work. That's the encouragement in good work. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Look with me at another one, if you would, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured. This is how we can encourage each other, folks. This is how we can get together sitting on the patio over here after church or sitting over here having coffee before the next service. This is how we can encourage each other. By continuing now in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures and are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We can help each other. We can encourage each other. We can exhort each other by talking together about divine things and less about foolish things, by warning each other when we see signs of indifference, signs of worldliness. Back in our text, in verse 14, we read, for we are made partakers. Here's that word again, partakers, partners. Partakers of Christ, if we hold the the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. We only participate in the blessings and the benefits of Christ by a genuine preserving faith. No man is in Christ by a temporary faith or by a false faith, or a second-hand faith. There are examples throughout the New Testament of that faith, of, of faith that was not saving faith. And I'll, I'll just give you the, the, the list. Actually, you know, uh, I think I will take a look at one. Turn over to Acts chapter 8. Beginning at verse 18, we read these words, And when Simeon, when Simon saw that through laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Now, this is false faith. We're talking about turning away from false faith, not participating with those who have a false faith. (laughs) Simon offered money as he saw the apostles laying hands, and the Holy Ghost he offered up them, and for the Holy Ghost he offered him money. Verse 19, saying, Give me also this power on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. And Peter said unto him, verse 20, and Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. So we see an example right there of, of a false faith, and you can l- read more about that if you'd like, in John 2, verses 23 through 25, or John 6, verse 26. Or even over in verse 13. You can look over there because we're already there in Acts. Look at verse 13 of Acts. Acts chapter 8, verse 13. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wandered, beholding the miracles and the sign. So he believed, it says in Scripture, but he had a false belief. And then we read, I should have actually read that first before we did the 18th. But you get the point there. Faith that saves, true faith is god-given faith it's genuine and it continues growing and strengthening confidence as we read in in Colossians chapter 1 turn over to Colossians chapter 1 Colossians 1 beginning at verse 21 and you that were sometimes alienated in enemies in your own mind by wicked works yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, in the body of his flesh through death, to present you whole, or, or if you continue, it says in verse 23, in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which is preached to every creature which is under heaven. Wherefore I, Paul, am a minister." So we see that God-given faith will, con- will keep us until the end. Now back in our text again, in Hebrews chapter 3, we read a repetition, a repetitious statement that we also read back in Hebrews 3, 7, but I want to read it again if you would. While it is said, Today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as the provocation. Now, the next three verses that we read here at the end of this chapter, and we'll, we'll cover this quickly. The next three verses are three questions leading up to the 19th verse. And these verses explain why they were shut out of the land of the promise, and stand as a severe warning to you and I. Verse 16, for some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. Who were they that heard and yet were rebellious and provoked the Lord? Who were they? Was it not all those who came out of Egypt and led by Moses? Was not all of those who came out of Egypt held out of the land of Israel? Only those who were under the age of 20 were allowed to go into Israel. Those who were born after who were born in the wilderness Verse 17, but with whom was he grieved for 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but but to them that believed not? With whom was the Lord irritated or provoked by? Who was he grieved by for 40 years? Was it not those who had sinned by their murmuring and rebelling, whose carcasses had fell in the wilderness, To whom did God swear that he should not enter into his rest, but to those who listened to his word and believed not? There were only two, Joshua and Caleb. Folks, what a solemn warning God has given you and I, his people. He's saying, take heed. Examine ourselves. Are we in the faith? What a solemn morning for you and I who are favored who are favored with a clear revelation of his grace in Christ because that's what it's all about. We're going to look a little bit more at that as we look into our next service. In in Hebrews 19 we read these words, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. We see the summary of the whole matter. They were not able to enter into his rest because of unbelief. They were not willing to believe God. They were not willing to trust God. They were not willing to rely on him and on him alone. So unbelief shut them out. Look over at Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. How easy is it for you to go about your own way in this world and forget about God? Is it not easy? I know it is for me. I know it is when I walk out those doors and go over next door, I can tune my mind into TV and forget about anything about God for another three days. We ought to give the more earnest heed the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip for if the, word of, if, the word spoken of, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast in every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him You and I could and would be in that very camp that our Lord is warning us about. Do we not know one that was among us once before? One who preached the truths of God from this very pulpit? Who seems to have no desire at all for the Lord now? Could that not be, by God's grace, you and I as well? Look over with me at 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'll close with these words. I want to give you some words of encouragement. And no better way for me to give you encouragement than reading through God's word where we read this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers, to God's people scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto the obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last Take heed, but remember this. When we're holding on to that anchor, it's God, it's God's anchor who's holding on to us and keeping us from floating around in the waves of the sea. He is the one who's keeping us, not us keeping ourselves. Amen.